You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio today, and uh, I've got my uh, good friend out of Toronto, Carmi Levy. Thanks for joining us. Great to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Our show is all about the world of technology and uh, making it inspiring and keeping it uh, simple. We've got some uh, interesting uh, topics today. We're going to be talking about the future of warfare and uh, how uh, the U.S. military is concerned uh, about cyber attacks on virtual headsets and what they're doing to combat uh, that. And do you still collect DVDs or Blu-ray discs? Well, they might be harder and harder to find as one major retailer is getting out of them. And we'll uh, we'll chat about that and maybe reminisce a little bit about the good old days, you know, going down to the video store. But let's talk about some of the, uh, the news stories. This first one I thought was hilarious, Carmi. At Roblox, this is a... Um, guess it's a, a virtual world, you know, kind of primarily more kid focused. You can go there and create your own characters and move around in this world. You know, all the major brands are there now too. You know, they've set up little stores and, and, and stuff, but basically uh, I guess their upper management is telling their employees cause they've been, I guess, hybrid working, uh, you know, got to come back to the office, which is kind of uh, contradictory to what their whole product is about isn't it like virtual world? It is. It's a very dangerous place for a company like this to go because just like Zoom, uh, their CEO a few weeks ago said pretty much the same thing. We want our employees to come back to the office because you know, who knew Zoom calls aren't as engaging as in-person uh, experiences are, which is basically saying, hey world, we make a product that you know doesn't do the job and isn't up to snuff and you still need to come into the office. And there's been this push across all industries in recent months to bring employees back to the office more often. They have these huge investments in real estate. They don't want them to go to waste. There's this kind of reckoning with where does work happen most productively. Um, but it's especially rich when companies like Roblox, which is basically like an early version of the metaverse, and Zoom, which you know made its, made its fortune on virtuality, uh, where they say that guess what, virtual isn't good as isn't as good as real. Uh, so they essentially undercut their own business, the need for their their product and service uh, in the first place uh, in saying so. And so, if you're an employee, like like who do you believe, uh, and and what should you do? Uh, it's it's an interesting inflection point in the whole raging debate over return to office or RTO. Uh, and I think it takes a heck of a lot of chutzpah for a CEO. Uh, to share an email like that with employees and do so with a straight face. It is interesting. So they've, uh, or he's mandating uh, essentially uh, that people come back to their San Mateo office in California three days a week. Uh, and if you're not in that area, they will pay to help relocate you to California. And if you don't relocate to California by April 15th, 2024, You've got a severance package coming to you, essentially. Isn't isn't that crazy? Uh, it it's it's astounding, especially in the tech space, given how you know even even though now we're starting to see more headlines as the economy slows down of more more layoffs. In many respects, a lot of those layoffs are largely due to over expansion during the pandemic than they are to any kind of historic correction. So there still is a huge shortage of tech talent. Companies are still competing with each other for the best of the best. Uh, and they still have roles that don't go filled because they don't have the right people to staff them. Uh, and so it's 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 a bit 
let's call it disingenuous or maybe an example of them shooting themselves in the foot um, by essentially telling otherwise high-performing employees that they will essentially fire them if they don't come back to the office, um, which makes a bad situation worse. They're already suffering from a deficit of talent. Now they're going to show some real talent the door simply because they don't want to come into the office. Um, that, I think, if you're a smart tech company or a smart any company, you're looking at this as an opportunity because there will probably be some people who will be displaced uh, and then some talent will come on the market and other companies will be able to snap them up. So Roblox will probably get away with it because they can. You can do whatever you want. But the basic laws of supply and demand apply to talent in the tech space and they're probably going to pay a pretty significant price for it. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, and I have to ask this, Carmi, uh, you're in Toronto. Is, does it seem like there's more traffic on the roads now? Like, I just thought with everyone working hybrid and lots of people working from home, traffic would be better. But it has gotten worse since the, the pandemic oh, yeah. died, died down. Yeah. Oh, it's it's worse than it was before the pandemic. I think part of it is, you know, there there a lot of us have returned to the office. Uh, but at the same time, there's also a very robust e-commerce sector, which means lots of deliveries in my neighborhood. Uh, and in the middle of the day, you have these trucks running around frantically making deliveries on deadline. Um, and so you have other sources of traffic. It isn't just the nine to five commuters. Now it's 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 the e-commerce economy that is putting a lot more vehicles on the road and not for the better. Um, and, and, and of course, maybe during the pandemic, we all just kind of forgot how to drive or forgot how to look out for each other on the road because the behaviors are certainly off the charts as well. But uh, yeah, those uh, heady days of the early pandemic when you could hear a pin drop when you walked outside, I think those are long gone and there is no app that is going to solve the traffic problem today. Well, speaking of uh, cars and, and traffic uh, and maybe trucks, uh, the Cybertruck is having uh, a big uh, event coming up November 30th at uh, their Gigafactory in Texas. And uh, they're going to start, uh, I guess, churning out the first Cybertrucks. Finally, this uh, electric truck was announced back in 2019. So it's like four years later, and they're finally going to start delivering this truck, Carmi. They've apparently got over a million orders for it, a million. Uh, and for the first year or two, they're only going to be able to churn out, um, you know, I think 250,000 trucks a year. Mm. Outside this, it's hard to underscore. This vehicle is absolutely pivotal to Tesla's future. Um, it is... You know, if in a way it's a lot like the Model X, which was their first SUV with the Falcon Wing doors that they introduced a few years ago, and that Model X was also delayed because there were some very, uh, let's call them unique engineering choices made on it. Those doors themselves were incredibly difficult to engineer. Um, and Elon Musk later said if he if he had, could go back in time, he would have just put conventional doors on it because that's the reason why it was so late to market. Cybertruck is very similar. It uses stainless steel uh, panels, which are very different from a design manufacturing perspective than conventional uh, materials. And uh, so they have had some engineering challenges to to not just get a working prototype out, which is fairly easy, but to actually produce it at scale, which is very hard. Um, and to do it, there have been some you know, quality concerns with some of the early models that we've seen on the road, panels that don't quite line up, things like that. Um, and but you know the company needs to execute this. They have lowered prices uh, a number of times this year to meet the expectations of the market. We know that they're falling short on deliveries uh, due to softening demand as well as supply chain issues. And so the Cybertruck could certainly reinvigorate interest in the space uh, among a group 
truck owners who have not been served by existing EV options. And it is absolutely pivotal that Tesla delivers on it this time and, you know, isn't six months or a year or a year and a half late to market, but can actually get these things into the hands of consumers when they want them and when they need them. So we'll be watching this pretty closely because literally and this sounds like like hype and, and, and uh, hyperbole, but the reality is the future of the company hangs in the balance. They need to execute the Cybertruck launch uh, perfectly or, you know, going forward, uh, it's, it is going to cost them. We still have a lot to talk about on today's uh, program. We'll be talking about the future of warfare and uh, mixed reality headsets and how one of the big problems they're going to have to overcome is not what you might think. We'll uh, also uh, be talking about the forest emergency here in Canada and a company that may have a solution with a, a digital tree seed marketplace. Companies called Squirrel. We'll uh, be chatting with them next right after the break here. Don't forget to go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com. For the next few weeks, we've got a contest going, giving away an iPhone 15. It's so easy. Just go to our uh, webpage and enter to win. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. We're going to talk trees now. Canada is facing a forest emergency. According to Natural Natural Resources Canada, more than 80% of Canada's forests are at risk of being lost or degraded by 2050 due to wildfires, which we know quite a bit about, pests, diseases, and urbanization. We've got a cool company with us uh, today, and on the line we've got Blaine Pearson. She is with Squirrel, and this is Canada's first digital tree seed marketplace. Thanks for joining us, Blaine. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's nice to be here. Okay, uh, let's just start right at the base level here. What is a digital tree seed marketplace? I've never heard of anything like this. Yeah, well, it's 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 a relatively new concept, uh, but it was born of some research that my team and I undertook um, in 2021 uh, and 2022 with the National Tree Seed Center. Um, we were looking at the supply of native tree seed in Canada. So we researched and interviewed and um, studied and surveyed um, hundreds of people across the country involved in the tree seed supply chain. So people who are planting, growing and collecting seed. And one of the things that became, um, you know, certainly clear to us was that there was a significant shortfall of the quantity of seed needed in order to service the amount of trees that need to be planted in order to restore forests that are being burnt by forest fire and also to meet the demand of programs like the Two Billion Tree Initiative. So uh, one of the the sort of things that we heard loud and clear um, over and over again from the people who we interviewed was that they really wished there could be a Kijiji for tree seed. So that's ultimately what we went to work um, and got busy trying to build. And it's really a, a place in which uh, the organizations and um, planting groups who need tree seed can connect with those who can provide and collect that tree seed. So it's a two-sided marketplace, basically demand signals coming in on one side and the ability to to service and supply those demand signals on the other side. So it's really kind of a matchmaking uh, service for in service of, of um, tree seed and, and growing more and better trees. So Squirrel, it's a, it, from what I understand, this is a partnership between a few different groups. So uh, I, from what I understand, you're with uh, Wilder Climate Solutions. Uh, Accenture is also involved in Amazon Web Services. How, how does Amazon get involved with this? So uh, we were funded, Wilder Climate Solutions had this idea. Um, we received a global grant from the team at Accenture. And as we began to work with them to put together the technology to provide the solution, the team at Amazon uh, Web Services became involved. 
And as a global cloud service provider, um, you know, working to democratize access to cloud technology so that it can be used by anyone, um, including us as a scrappy startup, they they jumped in and um, serviced and provided their resources pro bono to support the project. Um, so it's been a, a really incredible lift by a lot of really smart people working to develop this, um, you know, new and novel solution. And, and we certainly couldn't have done it without the contributions of AWS. And so um, what, what is the goal? How many trees to be planted by 2050? So uh, in 2021, the federal government um, created a program called the Two Billion Tree Program. So by 2030, so not too many years from now, the goal is that across Canada, two billion trees will be put into the ground. And those are net new trees. That has nothing to do with forestry um, or the industry that is, you know, essentially farming trees. So the intention of the program really is to sequester carbon um, and to um, sequester greenhouse gases by using trees and, and you know, new forest cover. Um, so that's, you know, a, a new program. Um, there's also, as you mentioned in your introduction, this huge issue of large swaths of our um, country being decimated by forest fires. And all of those um, forests that are being destroyed need to be replanted. Um, so I think there's a, a really interesting and, and big conversation afoot right now about how best to reforest and replant those forests. Do we go back to you know, monocultures where we put just, you know, one species back in, which is in some cases what led to the the rapid um, uh, movement of those fires? Or do we think and and work to diversify and, and build, you know, more variety into the plantings? So what we're trying to do um, is develop a little bit more of a, a fluidity and uh, transparency between the players in across this market and in this supply chain in order to um, expedite the demand signals from which trees do we need from where to the people who can do the work of collecting those seeds and getting them into production. Because I think it's important for people to remember that as great as it is to plant trees, we don't have endless greenhouses just filled with trees waiting to be planted. There is a, a life cycle that requires you know, probably a year to two years, sometimes three years, for a seed to be grown into a, a seedling that's ready to be planted out. Has this this type of seed marketplace, have we seen this in other parts of the world? We have not seen it anywhere else yet. Um, we have created this um, thus far using um, the VASCAN database, which is Canada's official database for um, all plant materials. Um, we have included so far trees and shrubs. Um, so they are all available to people um, on the on the platform. It's our intention in the next year, hopefully, to expand this across North, the North American market by adding um, the tree species in in the U.S. as well. And also looking at, you know, the rest of the ecology. What what can we do to help support um, ecological demands for restoring grasslands and savannas and, you know, things like Forbes? How do we build those in? Um, the other piece of, of squirrel that, um, we haven't talked about so far is this capacity building component. So tree seed collection is a pretty specialized, um, art and science. There's, there's a lot to know in order to successfully collect trees and the data that gets collected with a seed is really, really important. So the other piece of the puzzle within the app is that we provide seed collectors 
with a workflow and a, a, essentially a form that they work through and they fill out that takes the information that they would have previously kept on a pen and paper and sort of put in a bag when they shipped those seeds to the, the nursery. And it codifies it into a database so that that information and that data can travel with that seed and become traceable throughout the life cycle of the tree, which seems maybe not interesting or not important. But when you think about the changing climate and the fact that trees are locally adapted and are ultimately, you know, genetic material, knowing where a seed has come from enables us to make a, the best decision about where it should be planted in order to survive in a changing climate. So that's the other component of this tool. It's a, it's a giving ourselves the best chance to trace these trees and get them in the right spots. Is Squirrel like a... Um... Is it a corporation or a nonprofit? Like, what kind of company is this, or is it just a platform? Yeah, right now it is a it is a platform. Um, we have um, Wilder Climate Solutions uh, came up with the idea. It's been funded through a grant, so it's currently held inside of a nonprofit organization. Um, I think our hope is that we will be able to, um, you know, take the IP out of that nonprofit and continue to grow it into the future. Um, but there's, a, you know, a lot in in flux with respect to how we do that and how we sort of fund the next phase of this effort. We've been uh, speaking with Blaine Pearson uh, all about Squirrel, and that's with two eyes, a, uh, a digital tree seed marketplace. Fascinating. I couldn't even have dreamed this, this up. I, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you. When we come back from the break, a lot more tech to talk, uh, including physical media. Remember DVDs and Blu-rays? Well, they're going to be even harder to buy because a major retailer here in North America is getting out of uh, that uh, space. And also the future of uh, soldiers and combat. I guess these soldiers are going to have to worry about uh, virtual reality and augmented reality headsets and uh, not getting sick while wearing them. So we'll talk about some of the tech behind that uh, as well. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Eggerbo here in studio. Don't forget to enter our awesome contest uh, for the next few weeks. We're going to be giving away an iPhone 15. If you want more details uh, and you want to enter, hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Got Carmi Levy with me again today. And uh, Carmi, I want to talk about uh, this interesting uh, story, uh, DARPA, which is, uh, what that's the defense um, organization down in the U.S. Guys behind the internet, yeah, really. Yeah, they're, they're the guys who basically invented the internet. It's the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. And basically what they do is it's an arm of the military that, that comes up with technology that can help the U.S. gain military advantage. So they're always looking for a technological edge, started with the internet, but now they're you know putting mixed reality, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality headsets on soldiers to turn them into you know tech cyborg super soldiers. It's kind of what this agency does. Well, it, it seems... Um... Because of these, I guess, augmented reality headsets, and again, these are headsets that I guess soldiers would put on, and they'd still see what's going on around them, like in the real world, but it would start overlaying all sorts of other information um, in the headset. They're worried about uh, tactical puking attacks, but <laughs> what, what is that? I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of laughable. It sort of is, and I think it reflects sort of the risks of all technologies. Basically, what this is, is it's a super militarized version of Microsoft's HoloLens, uh, which, of course, is a headset that gamers use, uh, and it's been around for a few years. And uh, Microsoft signed a $21.9 billion contract a couple of years ago 
uh, to supply the army with about 120,000 of these uh, really upgraded military spec HoloLens headsets. Uh, and basically, if you're a soldier, you go into battle, it allows you to sort of see things on the battlefield, it allows you to call up weapons, it basically gives you this uh, immersive uh, overlay on the battlefield, it means that you don't have to check uh, other devices, basically you see it and you kill it, it int integrates with weapons, it's actually incredibly sophisticated, but uh, anyone who's ever used a, a virtual reality headset before knows, and I am one of them, I get sick. Uh, you know, it makes me nauseous. And so DARPA is looking into what they call the risk of cognitive attacks, basically meaning some bad actor, a cyber attacker, cyber criminal, an enemy would hack into these super uh, VR mixed reality headsets uh, and basically flood them with data to the point that whoever's wearing it would get incredibly sick and obviously wouldn't be able to be a soldier. Um, so how do they compromise these connected technologies to uh, incapacitate the soldiers who are wearing them? It is a very real threat. Uh, and DARPA has gone public with the fact that it is investigating what these threats might look like and also investigating how it can better protect these headsets from these kinds of future, very frankly, you know, very sickening uh, kinds of battlefield cyber attacks. This is really interesting to me. It's almost uh, like out of a movie. You know, you see these movies from the future and soldiers are wearing these kind of helmets and you can see their field of view. All sorts of information is coming up in front of their their eyes, you know, how far away the target is and all that that kind of stuff. But I always wonder, you know, a couple things, uh, you know, to some of the issues here, like would the soldiers get sick wearing these things <laughs> after a while? Because to your point, uh, I've I've got a virtual reality headset and after a while, I'm not feeling so good. And so... You know, are you going to have all your soldiers puking their guts out, you know, eventually at some point? Uh, and yes. and the battery life, like how long do these things last? How much battery do you have to carry around to keep this thing going? Because anyone who's used a VR headset uh, on battery knows full well they don't last very long because they're very computationally intensive uh, and they burn out, uh, you know, consume a lot of power. So that certainly is an issue. And that's part of this program is to make sure they have enough, you know, you know, power to last through a battle long enough so that they don't have to run to recharge them in the middle. You can't very well, oh, sorry, can't can't engage in this firefight now because my headset has run out of charge. Not an option. Um, so now they're in kind of that testing stage, seeing what works. And very alarmingly, forget cognitive attacks. They're not even being attacked. More than 80% of the soldiers who have worked with these headsets so far say that uh, within three hours, they are feeling uh, nausea, headaches, eye strain, and other what they call mission-affecting physical impairments. So it's not just you, Mike. It's not just me. Uh, uh, you know, four out of five soldiers who use these devices uh, are getting sick when they use them within three hours of using them. So, you know, that's part of it is, A, how do you de design a technology so it doesn't make you sick in the first place? And then how do you design the technology so that it's cyber safe, so that some someone else can't inject something that would deliberately make you sick. It's it's on two levels. Uh, and unfortunately, clearly two years after that huge contract was signed, they're still working out the bugs uh, and people are still getting sick in the process. It's definitely not ready for prime time. And as much as we'd like to think that you know, Robocop is about to come to the U.S. Army, uh, it's not happening anytime soon because the technology is not clearly fully big. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, you know, I like you, we, we're in the tech field. We get to try these devices out. I've got, I think, a, a MetaQuest 2 
headset and it is it is amazing like i just love some of the um uh you know the videos and and the games and 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 the meeting uh tools uh, in it but uh i think we're still years away from like a, a really practical application you know that would i guess appeal to a, a wider audience and you know the price is still up there for these headsets i can only imagine what the military ones cost but um you know meta just uh, announced uh, their new headset it's still expensive. Apple's uh, version um, of mixed reality headsets coming out in 2024. I forget how that's going to be about like 5,000 Canadian when it yeah. hits, right? This one probably will be about 5,000 here north of the border, about 3,700 south of the border. Either way, uh, for a version one, first generation of any technology that is also admittedly not fully baked, it astounds me the, the cost here. And I think basically they're only selling to early adopters. Uh, and if you're the military, obviously you have those resources. Uh, you can afford to be an early adopter, but you certainly can't afford to have soldiers on the battlefield with this glitchy thing that doesn't work and makes you sick. That is, you, you got to figure it out before you deploy it, uh, because otherwise it's going to be uh, the next F-35, which also has been bedeviled by huge software issues uh, and major problems with the interface between the technology and the human. Uh, it's wonderful when you read about it on paper, but when you get into a battlefield scenario, uh, if it doesn't work perfectly, uh, then you've got a serious problem. You'd rather go into battle without that technology. I would know how to foil that in an instant if I was the enemy. I would just take out the IT support van where all the <laughs> the IT guys are that have to support this. Find a way to wipe out the Wi-Fi in the battle battle area and basically uh, <laughs> turn everybody into a disconnected blind mess. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine, like, Eventually, we know that this technology will eventually work. Yeah, like if you take out the communication uh, that powers these devices, whether that's Wi-Fi or cellular, um, it just brings the whole thing down, doesn't it? But significantly, and 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 that connectivity, you know, connected warfare has been you know for years. Military strategists have said that is the future of warfare. But uh, you know, if you're trying to counter that. Uh, you realize that that connectivity is the Achilles heel. If you can cut that connection so that these connected devices are no longer connected, that is a huge way of thwarting a high-tech military enemy's advantage. Uh, it's one of the reasons why if you fly around uh, Europe these days, uh, GPS is not as reliable the closer you get to Russia and Ukraine because there's incessant jamming of GPS. Both sides are trying to prevent the other side from knowing where they're going. So if you're in an airplane or you're driving your car near the border, you've got a problem because GPS, GPS won't be as reliable there. Same thing works with other forms of connectivity. So 3G, 4G, 5G connectivity in the military space, you kill their cell phone network, you kill their ability to fight. We're talking all uh, about uh, puking attacks, uh, <laughs> which could be a problem for future soldiers wearing mixed reality headsets. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the death of physical media, DVDs and Blu-rays. One retailer down in the U.S. is going to end sales starting in 2024 of physical media. Well, Carmi and I are going to uh, dig down into that. Don't forget to enter our contest, giving away an iPhone 15. Beautiful prize. It's a beautiful phone. Go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com to enter to win. And there's uh, additional chances to get extra entries. So uh, you'll want to check that out as well. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here with uh, Carmi Levy today. One more shout out to our contest, giving away an iPhone 15. You'll want to enter. This is an amazing prize. The phone is beautiful. 
www.getconnectedmedia.com is our website address. And if you go, there's, there's extra chances to get more entries. So uh, look it up. Carmi, uh, I want to talk about physical media. I know, you know, the world has moved to digital when it comes to music. So, you know, not as many people are buying the CDs anymore. And of course, with video, uh, used to be VHS tapes, then DVDs, Blu-rays. Uh, you know, more and more people are just subscribing to things like Netflix. Uh, but there are a certain people that still like to collect physical media. They actually like to buy the movie, you know, the Blu-ray copy. But it looks like one big retailer in the U.S., Best Buy, is going to get out of that game. They're not going to sell DVDs or Blu-rays anymore. You've got a, we've got a couple of months left if we want to buy a DVD or a Blu-ray at Best Buy. Uh, they, are, they have confirmed that a platform by the name of the Digital Bits uh, confirmed uh, just last week that uh, by first quarter, of 2024 early 2024 they will no longer sell physical media dvds and blu-rays in store or online they won't sell them in in, in any capacity they'll still sell games in store and online but uh, if you're looking to buy a movie and bring it home those days are numbered probably by the end of the year that, that'll be the end of it and they'll then take that space and they say want to you know sort of sell other stuff give people new new opportunities to explore other technologies give them more space to do that it really is the end of an era it kind of makes me a little bookland because uh i still hold on to those dvds and blu-rays and i still like to pull them out every once in a while it's the last remaining vestige of tangibility that's something that i own and that that you know doesn't go away if i stop paying the subscription fee it's kind of sad it's it really is the end of something it's really amazing because I, you know, I used to remember going into Best Buys and, and other uh, electronics retailers, and a huge, huge portion of the store, like typically like the center of the store, um, it, it was all physical media. Uh, you know, remember when there used to be uh, software? You know, like <laughs> it, it took up a huge chunk of the store, and then you know, with uh, you know, movies, DVDs, and, and music. And uh, now that's going to be gone. But, you know, they're getting into bigger ticket items like appliances and stuff. So, you know, they'll always have, uh, uh, you know, a use for the room. Yeah. And certainly in a world where these days, let's face it, we consume by streaming. And so, you know, as we buy fewer and fewer DVDs and Blu-rays, it doesn't make sense for a, a brick and mortar retailer to spend the money to maintain that physical capability. Uh, you know, the world has changed. We as consumers have changed and there simply isn't as much demand for that. And so I understand it. But in the process, I feel like we're missing something. I used to walk into my local Best Buy and yeah, that, that was the first thing you saw. There's these like giant displays of of content. And it wasn't just the content, but that was where people hung out. And that was where staff hung out and argued about the best possible movies and gave you advice. It was like kind of like a larger scale version of the old video store, you know, Blockbuster at the corner. Uh, and, you know, you could have those conversations about what movie you wanted to buy and bring home. And there was that human interaction. And I understand that in the age of streaming, everything has shifted over to, to, to algorithms. Everything is far more efficient. I don't have to go to the store. If I, if I want to watch a movie, I can just call it up from home. Uh, it's so much easier and more efficient, but at the same time, it's not as tangible. It's not as human. I don't feel as connected. It's not really the experience that it used to be. Uh, and picking up a DVD from the Blu-ray, my kids still remember going to the Best Buy, going to the local video store and bringing something home. And that, you know, now we're going to have one less place to do that. Uh, and indeed, my kids you know, will miss it. But at the same time, 
uh, their kids won't even know what they're missing. I know. I just, I, uh, that kind of blows my mind. You know, kids growing up now will never know what a record store was or, uh, you know, a, a DVD rental store was, you know, like Roger's video. Yeah. It, <laughs> they just yeah. have every piece of content at their fingertips. Like they just don't know how spoiled they are. Yeah, and and you had to build up that library uh, over years, and yes. you you added to it painstakingly as your budget allowed. And yes, there's something to be said for having access to every movie out there, or every you know in music, every song out there, and every artist. And you know you don't have to build up; it's you can listen to whatever you want now, now, now. Um, but at the same time, sometimes there's such thing as too much choice. Sometimes maybe we, we don't consume it in the same way. Maybe we don't have the same relationship with that movie because we didn't have to hunt it down in the dusty corners of a Best Buy uh, or a Blockbuster. But you know, we simply called it up from a menu. And if we didn't like it 10 minutes in, we just stopped watching it and moved on because we didn't really have a whole lot invested in it. So, yeah, it's more efficient. Uh, and, you know, yeah, it's probably better value. Uh, but I don't feel as invested in it now as I did way back when, when I had a stack of physical media next to my next to my TV and I could kind of pick which disc I wanted to pop in. And let's not even start talking about all of the extras that we've now lost because we stream everything. Where did those go? I miss those. Well, I think they're floating out there. You can find these things on, on YouTube sometimes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, you have to go looking for it. I, I love those extras, yeah. you know, all the behind the scenes stuff uh, and, and, and what have you. And, and interviews, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so unless you know where to look or just are going down the rabbit hole on, on YouTube to find that stuff, you're, you're not going to get it, essentially. Yeah. I, I, am heart- I am heartened, though, because uh, this is just Best Buy. Apparently, Walmart uh, is still going to carry in-store, and Walmart is in negotiations with a major DVD distributor to take over pieces of their physical media operations. So it's interesting as Best Buy is getting out of the business, Walmart seems to be doubling down on it. Uh, Amazon and Target continue to stock. Uh, So Target in the US, but Amazon here, you can still order DVDs and Blu-rays via Amazon here to Canada. So, you know, it's it's not like they're completely disappearing. We just have to now go looking to different places and another major venue has dropped out. It's probably only a matter of time before Walmart throws in uh, the towel as well. But at least for now, we can still get a DVD or a Blu-ray fix if we know where to look. It's just a little bit harder. Kind of on the Best Buy note, I don't know if you saw this story, uh, Carmi, uh, but sales are down for Best Buy. Uh, apparently, mm-hmm. Canadian Best Buy stores are even worse as far as decline uh, in sales. But uh, the... Uh, the Best Buy CEO, her name is Corey Berry. She was speaking at a conference, uh, I think this past week, and she she's blaming Funflation and Millennials and Taylor Swift uh, for <laughs> for the decline in in business. Basically, saying uh, younger people are spending more exper- uh, money on experiences and memories, so they'd rather spend a thousand dollars on Taylor Swift tickets than buy like a, a high ticket electronic item, like I guess a fridge or computer. If, if you think about it, right, like when I was a kid, the cool thing when you got together with friends was, you know, who who had the neatest TV, who had the neatest stereo, who had the neatest new gadget, the new computer, and you would all gather around it and the hardware was the thing that was the end goal. Um, whereas today, yeah, it has shifted into experiences because the hardware is all pretty standard. We consume content through all the same, you know, they're all roughly the same smartphones or flat screens. There's one flat screen isn't really different from any other. And it's really all about 
It's all about Taylor Swift. It's all about, uh, you know, Noah Kahan or whoever else we're we're listening to or watching now. Those experiences are the things that draw us together. If I start talking about the features of my latest iPhone, uh, I, I get eye rolls because nobody cares anymore. The, what really matters is what am I doing on that iPhone? Who am I who am I consuming on that iPhone? That's what everybody wants to talk about. And that's what separates, you know, our generation from our kids' generation. They really have changed. And as a result, on you know brick and mortar retailers like Best Buy find themselves on the wrong side of that curve and they've got to figure out how do they integrate those experiences with their with their their footprint uh, you know movie theaters have done an excellent job of that look no further than than Taylor Swift's movie where they've kind of changed the the, the very notion of what a movie experience is at a movie theater uh, and I would I would venture if Corey Berry is listening, uh, look at your Best Buy physical stores now and ask how can you use those in that sort of creative different way. You got to come up with a different sort of mode of operation to attract the attention of folks who simply aren't buying hardware the way they used to. Looks like we're out of time. Uh, Carmi, I have to thank you once again for joining us on the program. Wonderful being here, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. One more shout out to our contest this week, giving away an iPhone 15. This is uh, an amazing uh, phone. Uh, the camera is fantastic. If you want a chance to win this prize, uh, visit our website, www.getconnectmedia.com. Up there, uh, we have uh, extra ways to get more entries uh, as well. So you'll want to dig down a little bit to you know, hopefully increase your chances uh, to uh, win. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, the Get Connected uh, podcast. It's available on all the major platforms, Spotify, uh, Apple, and uh, you can get it uh, on our website uh, as well. I want to thank all the folks that helped put uh, the program together. We will see you again next time.